0: share the love of God, and grow our businesses like never before. For more information about becoming a member, visit our website, www.christianwomeninbusiness.com.au. Looking forward to sharing these podcasts with you and helping you to grow as a leader and a business owner like never before. Good day, and welcome to the Christian Women in Business podcast show. I am incredibly excited to have you listeners listening in on the show today because we have a real treat for you. So we have been um, interviewing and sharing stories of women in business from all different walks of life and they have been so inspiring and have just blessed us with all their knowledge. So we thought we would do something a little bit different today and get a very special person on the show that... Will help encourage all those that are thinking about missionaries, that are thinking about not for profits, and um, doing mission work in places where you wouldn't think it would happen. Um, but I'll let her. Uh, our guest tell us a little bit about her story. So very excited um, to have this lady on the show. So this lady is called Pastor Lee Ramsey and alongside with husband Mark Ramsey they are senior pastors of City Point Church, one of Australia's largest and fastest growing churches That's located in Brisbane for those who are listening from outside of Australia. So Lee has a passion to seek for those who cannot speak for themselves, uh, whether it be young, the old, the disadvantaged or the poor. In 2006, Lee was challenged to reach out to children of the nation of Cambodia who have been sexually exploited and trafficked. Since that time, Lee has found... Founded that it's not okay project that supports the she rescue home to see these girls' lives restored and rebuilt. Welcome to the show, Lee.
1: Thank you. So good to be here. Cool. Well,
0: thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, now you, we feel so blessed because you're going to share our, share your story with um, where she rescue kind of started. And yeah. where you're at now, so I'll let you take the reins, and we'll get straight into it. So,
1: well, wonderful. Where did it well, all thank. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for the privilege and honor first to be able to share my story. Um, yeah, probably started. Well, you know, uh, we started in uh, 2006, but just prior to that, I was on holidays with some friends in beautiful Noosa, um, a place where I had raised my children and lived for very many years. Moved over to America for a season and came back and. Yeah, we were out having dinner and off to get ice creams and for some reason I found myself dragging behind and not really, for no particular reason and then the next thing I saw this four-year-old, four or five-year-old girl just walking in front of me with her mom and her mom was hitting her and kicking her and telling her, I don't love you, I hate you, get away Mm -hmm. from me and hitting her, yeah and the strangest thing because it was not the Noosa that I knew and... uh, what was even stranger is that nobody really stopped to take any uh, time to help or pay any attention to it. And even myself, I found myself going, oh, my gosh, if I help, what's going to happen? You know, will I become part of the problem and, you know, get in the middle of something I shouldn't be in the middle of? And then in the end she did it again and I just went, that's enough. And she turned around to go in the opposite direction and I turned around and just went, you know, went up to her and I said, can I help you? You know, I, I know it's hard. Raising children is not easy and, uh you know, she was willing to open up to me to be able to help her and uh we were able to call family members to come and get her and to help her. But, it you know, it was intent- intense and it was very violent towards the little girl and I found myself just going, this is so not okay. And as I was walking away, I just burst into tears and I was crying and I just said, God, I will speak up. For children who can't speak for themselves mm. not really knowing what that really meant long term <laughs>
0: no none of us I, do
1: No, <laughs> there was no strategy to have that thought and think oh my gosh here I go I'm off <laughs> to do something um it was really just you know a, a response to a situation and uh long story short within a, a within I think it was four months I was talking to my sister-in-law a gentleman had joined our church who had worked in the area of tra- trafficking in uh, Thailand and so He had told us stories and showed me photographs that were absolutely horrific. And I said to my sister-in-law, let's get on a plane and go and see if this is real in Thailand and Cambodia. And so we did. And we were amazed at what we saw and heard and felt. And so we went to Cambodia and we met people and we then went to Thailand. And when we got to Thailand, we fulfilled our commitment to all of the appointments that we'd made. But we really did feel like we were in the right house, wrong room right cause, wrong country. And so we got back on a Cambodia and that's really when it all opened up for us. And again, I spoke to many people, heard many stories, met children. And uh, it was actually on our last night that we were in Cambodia that we bumped into a little girl who was 12 years old. And now remember this, that when we were there, everything was so overwhelming and the stories that we heard and the children we went met, it was so devastating. And We used to write on our arm every day to succumb to the enormity of the problem, is to fail the one, because we would keep thinking, oh my gosh, if we help, if we do this, then we'll have to do that, and then we'll have to do that, and then it all became very overwhelming because all you see is this big picture that you think you've got to achieve rather than starting just with the life of one child. And um, Anyway, so on this last night, we were just sitting there chatting and talking about what we could or couldn't do or how we would move forward and... This twelve-year-old came up and she was standing there saying, "Will you buy food? Are uh, you buy a uh, book? You buy a book." And she's a little bookseller along the front, big red sunglasses on her face, and uh, we're like, "No, no, no book." But you come here. Are you hungry? And so she was hungry and sat down, and we ordered her food, and she was eating like she was eating for the nation of Cambodia. Oh, she was geez. so hungry, yeah. and uh, she saw a piece of paper that we had, which is a picture of a Western man holding the hand of a Cambodian child, but. Uh, jail bars on front of it so they use a lot of those pictures for children because they don't speak English and but they everyone understands pictures yeah so as soon as she saw that photograph that picture she stopped eating and she grabbed my arm and she said my friend my friend 10 tonight mother father sell to two men you come help you (gasps) you you find her and so in that moment, my sister-in-law and I just got up and went, well, oh, my gosh, what do we even do right now? Yeah, so what we, do? I know. My sister-in-law is like this spunky little blonde thing, <coughs> but she's tiny. and We're both blonde, so we kind of stand out in a crowd. And um, So when we went to go down this dark road that she wanted to take us, so and we looked at each other and went, this is so not what you do. So yes. we came back <laughs> and made a phone call and got, you know, we had the phone number of an organization that could help because we were leaving the next morning. And so, you know, I always like to say that little girl who was starving hungry, suddenly the very thing that meant more to her than anything else was her friend. Yeah. And so often we get preoccupied with with like our own needs and our own wants and our own goals and desires and ambitions that we forget to see what's happening right in front of us. Yeah. And I was just so inspired that the very thing that she needed to sustain her, which was food, became nothing to her it meant much more to go after her little friend. And so, yeah, we were able to get someone to come and talk with her and then we flew out the next morning and pretty much I just we just looked at each other and said, how can we come here to find out and now that we know, go back and do nothing. Yeah. So then we pretty much took the next year to work out what we could do and um, it ended up being that we decided that we would start an organisation for children that are rescue, that not that we don't do rescue, we do the aftercare. So we wanted to work with children that were rescued from rape and trafficking and any form of sexual exploitation at all, really. And uh, so we did. We opened a home uh, for children, and it's been an amazing journey in itself and an absolute privilege because, you know, you get to change lives and heal hearts, and it's amazing, yeah. So
0: So how did you – so you opened – so you spent a year – was that back in Australia? and going Back in Australia, Trump, yeah. Kind of going, okay, well, how's this going to work? And then you came to the conclusion that, well, we're not there, like you say, to actually um, rescue them from literally yes. that place, but you're there yeah. after. And uh-huh. So how did that all, how did you do that? Like how did you come to the conclusion of that? And then how did you go from that to then being able well, to, pur- do you purchase your first home or how did it all work? No,
1: no you just rent and lease over there. Um, that's what we do. We don't, you know, it's difficult to own anything over there and, you know, it's a beautiful country that not everything is wrong with it but there are still some things that are not right with it and, um, yeah, very difficult so far as corruption goes. And, uh, yeah, we would just rather rent something than own something over there right now, yeah. yeah. And that that is our, our, we have no goals to own anything in particular. We would like to spend that what we can on Restoring Girls' Lives, really, pretty much. But in in answer to your question, we took a year to find out what we needed to do to operate legally in that country. So you must work with the government. So when we take girls into our care, the government actually signs them over to us. So we never take any children into our care that are not first registered with the government that they've got them in our care. So we had the full backing of the country, and we're registered there. So called a memorandum of understanding, and so you work very closely uh, with the government to, you know, look after these girls. And we also work really hard at reintegrating children or girls back into community and family life as much as possible and as quickly as possible. That's always not always possible, but that is the ultimate goal. Obviously, we work very hard with the family if the family is part of the problem or maybe it was an uncle or maybe we have to you know move communities so we'll build them another home in a different community where there's no stigma against the child yeah. um yeah
0: and so now you've got so it would have been 2007
1: that you then got yeah 2007. 2006 2007 it all becomes a blur to me yeah, <laughs> becomes sure. more about each each child and the horrific stories that we hear and um you know getting them better And, you know, we work with staff over there. We have a very large staff because we have social workers and counsellors. We have uh, guards that we have because it's a secured property because they're all still in uh, court cases, most of them, Um, and the perpetrators, not all of them have been convicted and put away or whatever needs to happen. Um, Then we have administration staff, of course. And we have house mothers, house managers, and cooks, because we're talking children that we work with, like yeah. the average age is between eight and ten. Um, but every year, different ages it fluctuates. I mean, the first girl we ever got was six years old, and uh, she was our first little possum that we just will forever remember. and um yeah, and just recently we had three four girls in the home who came pregnant and gave birth to babies so we had four babies in the home oh. we've now got only one so that's a great testimony in itself that we've been able to get those girls better and yeah. either build them a house or get them into a community community kind of thing with their child babies and we've just had a three-year-old arrive and then i think we've got another we've got four sisters arriving next week
0: wow that's so so yeah because you're setting up a structure where you need mums basically in there you need to create like a family environment in there absolutely that teaching your yeah. girls how to be mums as well like yeah that's a and, whole different dimension on it
1: and in a country too where let's not forget what happened in the Pol Pot, you know regime when most uh, parents were murdered and Teachers were educated, all the educated people were murdered. And so, you know, for when we started, there actually were no social workers or counsellors. So we've had to be part of the training of them. Now there's a lot more around and people are a lot more skilled. But when we started, there was nobody really knowing anything and anybody that was of an age to help parent or to teach parenting had been through trauma themselves yeah. so it was it's been complicated but still wonderful and you know we've seen great change and great things happen there's sad stories too not everybody makes it Yeah. um but you know you just roll with the punches and keep going and keep doing what you can do because you can't do everything no, you, you just can't. no just need to do something and that something is a good thing to do
0: so with your your how you structure it is that are all your social workers and people who work in the house are they volunteers or
1: no? We work? so we work with Cambodian staff predominantly. We have two uh, European staff members, as in from Western, so from uh, Australia, and they run the whole project for us. So one oversees the whole project, and the other one oversees all the social workers and counsellors. So that you know as i said before you know a lot of them were not fully skilled and so we wanted to make sure that our standard of care was what it needed to be and so yeah we um employ the overall uh supervisor and we employ the head lady that looks after all of the social workers and because we just feel that you can't really have that as a volunteer role because it's too vital it's you know you don't you know got to keep their cases up to date and registered and you know filled in properly so you can't just be hoping that someone knows what they're doing you've got to know that you know that they know what they're doing yeah
0: that's Um, right so yeah what kind of volunteers do you have within the
1: home so the volunteers that come over will be teachers um, people that like to uh, cook and help uh, in the home that we'll have people that are nurses that come in and look like help take care of the different needs we have administrators we'll have People that are great on computers will have volunteer social workers that work alongside our um, social worker um, just to, you know, be there and help. But they don't really work with the children. The Cambodians work with the children yeah. um, because the best way to help them is somebody of their own culture and their own language. It's, they find it difficult enough to express what happened to them, let alone have a language barrier and a cultural barrier. So really in the office, it's all about the systems of are you documenting correctly and are you asking the right questions and teaching them the tools on how to help the girls. Um, Yeah, so we have a whole micro-enterprise section that is a part of what we do as well for girls that have become of age where they can learn sewing and a craft or if they've come from a family that have been so poor that that was the reason their family got into difficulties with what happened. So we will uh, teach a mother how to sew and so forth. So um, we have people help us run that. Um, and yeah. do you, uh,
0: like, because I, I, one of our members is Roar by Beck. Beck
1: mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. she's,
0: like, massively passionate about what you guys do.
1: Yeah, and she She is. was
0: showing me a top that yeah. she's had made for her Yeah, business, they're amazing. Mm. Um, that did, your girls sewed, like, you yeah, so, so
1: obviously we, we work with children. So when it all started, we started realising that to reintegrate a child you had to tick certain boxes, and one of them was that there was enough money in the homes so that the child wasn't at risk because of poverty. So we thought, well, the best way to help that is you can't have children working, but you can get the mother or the father learning a trade. Yeah. So that's when we started this whole idea about starting a sewing centre so that we're getting, you know uh, – legitimate money into the family so that that child is um, uh, safe to go home and um, yeah so but then if the girls become of age and they're you know at working age then um, we will teach them how to sew and then they can become a part of the program so we've got girls now 10 years on that are older that are part of the program
0: that's awesome so now Mm. those beautiful girls are making sports fitness wear
1: yeah they do they make fitness wear they make aprons they make shirts they make beautiful they make so many wonderful details they make handbags they make so many wonderful things
0: and they're like our businesses in australia are now Mm -hmm. able to buy the stuff from your girls and put back Mm -hmm. into their lives like yeah that is so amazing i was blown away when beck told me about that
1: yeah, it's it's very cool. Like initially, that's you know, again, it's you just start small and then you you grow. And it's just been in the last uh, year and a half that we've really, really worked hard to put our sewing center together, so that we can keep up with what the orders are that we're getting. Which is, you <laughs> know, a cool really, to have. <laughs> um, it is a good problem to have. And so we've opened our doors now to um, uh, other people in community that are very poor, because we do realize if you can reduce the risk of a child by reducing. The poverty in the home and in the community then you can just uh, solve so many problems yeah you rather than just it yeah the you
0: know they get into the poor and then thinking okay now we're gonna have to sell our kid to survive totally yeah
1: and look this is one of the reasons why we work with rape children because quite often a rape child will be next thing she'll be sold off as a sex worker because she's lost her value and her worth oh. so we were of the opinion that we're not going to just work with the rescued traffic child why will i wait for her to be trafficked before i say now i can help you so we were very adamant that we would not just be a shelter Uh, and this is you know this is understanding cambodia and how that works there so that's why we really felt that we wanted to be a part of all forms of sexual exploitation not just waiting for the trafficked child to be rescued
0: um like obviously you've spent over 10 years there now you're Mm -hmm. seeing now 10 years later the actual beautiful rich culture that Cambodia probably is beyond all that horrible stuff Mm
1: -hmm. like it's a beautiful country it has a lot of beauty it has a lot to offer it's vastly developing which is good and bad you know sometimes the rich get richer and the poor get poorer so you've got to keep an eye on all of that as well but um you know we just we just love being a part of the journey of helping those young girls and like I said you you know you can't help everybody not everybody makes it um, but the reason we wanted to work with children is because we felt that with a child we had a greater chance of getting them healed and restored and better and stronger yeah. um, and we've seen great success stories with that and wonderful stories which is fantastic
0: that's awesome bringing them home to JC and
1: yeah absolutely well that when we started that was one of the You know, major foundations that we wanted to have was to know that we had a Christian home, that we were able to say, not only are we bringing you food and healing and counseling and social work, but we're bringing the complete giver of life, who's Jesus Christ, and that He can heal their hurt and their pain and give them something to live for beyond their pain that they've already hurt, felt, you know. And um, yeah, and so in Cambodia, you, you, must give the children the right to not have to be christian they don't have to be christian to be in the home yeah. Um so it's very much free will and they make a choice but we very much run the home um, as a christian home yeah and christian staff and so forth yeah it's wonderful That's awesome
0: so if i was in your shoes 10 years ago and god mm. had planted something in my heart um like he did with you and like like we were chatting that You know, you didn't really have this big goals or big strategic plan that suddenly Mm -hmm. you were going to do all this stuff, but Mm -hmm. God's kind of led you along the way and, like, now he's using enterprise to help enterprise to help build a country. What are your your five tips that you'd pass on to...
1: Well, I think, well, number one is that just make sure, you know, I, I, my whole endeavor and my dream in life was to be a great wife and a great mom and raise my children that God had given me the way I should raise them. And so I gave a lot of attention to that. We were also pastors at the time uh, in Noosa, um, and then we went to America. And, uh, you know, you mentioned before we're in Brisbane, but we actually have locations in uh, the United States of America, in Colorado, in Fort Collins. We have uh, Auckland. Uh, as well, at Auckland City Point. We have six locations in Brisbane. And so I've been a pastor's wife. I'm a mum of four children. I'm a mother-in-law to three, and I have uh, my sixth grandbaby on the way. So that side of my life was always my dream, that I'd be a great wife, a great mum. i have grandchildren, be a great pastor, love people, do church. And uh, so I gave a lot of time to that and in giving time to that I think I became a whole person because I was not raised a Christian I became a Christian when I was 20 21 and so I feel like that when this came across my path when God asked me to do this I had the capacity to say yes because this is no small feat you need to be reasonably emotionally stable to <laughs> just the subject matter in itself is disturbing and uh, and then you know, I was able to say yes, but I also had the wisdom to put people and ask people to come alongside and be around me to help me with the administration of the whole thing, because I've actually not, you know, I was raised in South Africa. And when I came to I was 15, and I actually haven't been to school past 15. I never went to university. Um, I married my husband when I was 18. And so, you know, I'm, incredibly clever, but I just didn't have uh, any degrees behind me to even warrant starting an organization like this. So I think it was just being whole and stable and then able to say yes when God asked and then having the wisdom to put the right people around me to help with the whole organization. And so I just think, you know, there's no limit to what you can do if you don't care who gets the glory. That's no reason to start anything. Um, it's all about people, you know. I always say you'll never know her name and you'll never see her face, but she matters, and that's what matters. She matters. It's not me that matters. It's this is not about the Lee Ramsey show. This is about one girl at a time changing their lives and making a difference for their future. And uh, probably another tip is just not succumbing to the enormity of the problems that you, you're faced with when you want to move forward and do something. But just do, you know, just do one thing at a time. Don't be overwhelmed. Um, and then knowing that you can't do everything, but you can do something. That's a good way. That's one of my things I live by. And another one that is, you know, really important is forgiving everybody of everything all of the time because, you know, you step out and, well, anything in life really, but in particular in the subject matter, it's, um, tricky, you know, you've got people that don't like what you're doing. They like Mm -hmm. to give you a hard time.
0: Yeah. Sometimes people see it as a threat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Their
0: own insecurities.
1: Absolutely. Well, even that, um... e- yeah. Well, even even you know sometimes you know you might have have a child in your care that someone doesn't want you having in their your care, and so they'll do everything to make you look bad to you know try and get that child back out of care so they can oh. have access to them. So you know it's endless. If you just really got to know who I find for me knowing who I am in Christ, where my strength comes from and making sure that I do my due diligence, that we're thorough, that we have great people working for us that are, Mm -hmm. you know, dot I's and cross T's and, um, yeah, just do it right really.
0: Well, that was a whole lot of knowledge in one big breath.
1: (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about building lives with giving them a hope and a purpose and a future beyond their pain really and i think and you know i go back 3 times a year and i'm amazed how um uh, how much by not being over there you can slip back into mediocre thinking about the whole cause and then i get back there and i'm like that's oh my gosh and that's right that's why we do this yeah yeah that's so
0: sometimes have the sleepless nights and
1: yeah you know, you exactly
0: your faith beyond what you could ever think possible and relying on resources from god and mm-hmm. the whole big picture of it all and we found in christian women in business that just from saying yes, yes. god has almost provided everything like it. and it yeah. all comes in its own time at the right time yes um we're going through an expansion at the minute by um having different um local meetups like we're we're expanding in areas and if i'd have tried to expand that in what i thought was the good time it wouldn't have worked but suddenly you know all these leaders have risen up and yes you know this has been on my mind i just wanted to chat to you about it and i've been like
1: yeah <laughs> That's yeah, god
0: written all over it
1: <laughs> yeah and, and it's exciting just watching the god side of it as well not just our human side of it i love that
0: yeah it's so good yeah. it's so good so, yeah so um talking of the god side of it how do you incorporate god into into your business throughout she rescue
1: well uh we are definitely christian based um we uh employ Christian staff, so that, you know, same ethos. And, um, yeah, just loving Jesus and, as I said before, forgiving everybody of everything all of the time and remembering where our strength comes from. And so you're able to do that by maintaining a Christian staff. Um, You know, you're all thinking the same way and moving forward in the same direction. I think, you know, uh, endeavoring to be kind and good to people that work for us, volunteers that come and the uh, children in our home um, because I think when people see you as being good to them, they see you as being good for them. Um, now, of course, like any business venture, the, you have a degree of fallout, um, but you know, maintaining your ethos around who Christ is in the middle of this and uh, maintaining your soft heart, thick skin kind of thing. Um, and then, of course, for the children is, you know, I'm just adamant we are not just a benevolent-funded uh, organization. We actually want to introduce children to Christ because that's where their true help comes from Yeah, and that when they walk away from there that they'll always remember that G- they met Jesus there. And, you know, because when they get reintegrated and they're back out in community, they not, may not be in a church. And really you just got to submit. To God, their little lives, and say we did what we could do, and you take care of them, and yeah. So I just think uh, really safeguarding that we are actually a Christian organisation. I'm just not a fundraiser to help children; it's bigger than that. Um, You know, eternity and their soul. The mission. (laughs) Absolutely, exactly yeah which is awesome and you know one of my favorite scriptures at the moment is in Titus 1 in the message version and it's, it says is that you know my aim is to raise hope in people by pointing them to the way to life without end which is Jesus and so really in this day and age like people just lack hope they they just people are fearful for what's going on around them let alone what's happened to them and so i just would like my organization to be a banner of hope um just pointing people, whoever you come in contact with, to that Christ is our hope at the end of the day, and uh, He's the one who gives us the strength to do whatever we think we want to do, whether it's you know a stay-at-home mum or whether it's in business, whether it's in sport, whether it's in holidaying, wherever you are, that you know He is the beginning and the end and the hope for our future and our every day, our now.
0: Yeah, I love it. Thank yeah, you for sharing. so yeah, where can our listeners find out all about She Rescue and what you guys are doing and what do you have coming up?
1: Yep, so we have uh, you can go to our website which is www.sherescuehome.org or you can go to Um What we do in Cambodia is um, on the She Rescue Home site.org. Um, and, you know, the other thing is too, we have lots of trips that go over regularly. Um, you can take teams of people over and uh, be a part of what we're doing over there, see the microenterprise world, go to our office and see how that all runs and go out to uh, community visits and so forth. So you can jump on there and see how you can go on a trip. You can, of course, donate. Not everybody wants to go. Some people like to just fund because they find that that the subject matter in itself is just too much for them to handle. Um, And so there's all sorts of ways and avenues that you can be involved with. We do a a cycle over. We just came back from doing a a fundraiser cycle ride through the Otago Rail Trail in New Zealand. And there was, I think, 28 of us that did that to raise awareness and funds for She Rescue Home. There's high teas. Purchasing our products is wonderful if we can sell more of our products then we're not just asking people for money we're creating uh you know employment for people in cambodia giving them a sustainable lifestyle Mm -hmm. that's not dependent on the donation dollar and that's really paramount for us is and we need donations and we need people volunteering we need people helping in every way but Really, if we can be selling the products that they're making, then they have jobs, they have self-worth, they can move forward as a family and build their own home without us building the homes for them. Um, so, yeah, we'd yeah. love to be able to get into businesses. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing. It's been absolutely lovely speaking with you and hearing about your story. And I'm sure our listeners are probably um, quite blown away by i guess the t- the topic itself is pretty yeah. hard to comprehend but just yeah. how god god can just use you in an amazing ways if you just say yes to what yeah. he's asked you to do and he like you'll have to do your part it, of course absolutely he will he will show you he'll guide you he'll yeah. provide the resources and what yeah. we say at the end of the day it's the mission behind the mission which is um sharing the news about Jesus and about god um throughout business throughout non for profits throughout mm-hmm. <laughs> all the world really so. yeah
1: absolutely, and just knowing that you're rebuilding lives and giving them a hope in a future, and even for the child that, that you know may decide to stay uh, a Muslim, we've got a little Muslim girl in our church in our home right now, and she is so worthy of every bit of help that we have to offer to give her so that she can have a brighter future. So, you know, the gospel's for everybody and so is help and healing and health and we just want to be those conduits that just bring good to people so that they see God as being good for them. Yeah. Yeah awesome amazing yeah beautiful
0: thanks for listening to the show today our listeners wherever you are and whatever you're doing we hope that you have a blessed day and blessed week and we will catch you next time thanks for now thank you god bless sarah jane here i hope you enjoyed the podcast we'd love it if you could please share this podcast with your friends please rate our podcast on itunes And for more information about becoming a member of Christian Women in Business, head over to our website, www.christianwomeninbusiness.com.au. Catch you next time.